Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary. We are officially one week away from NFL football kicking off at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. The Buffalo Bills and the defending Super Bowl champion LA Rams will kick things off on a special edition of Thursday Night Football. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. I'm Logan Gordon, joined by Patrick Dumas. And with the NFL football right around the corner, Patrick, it's uh, always a great time to bring on our next guest. For all things fantasy football, you've got drafts, you've got questions, keeper leagues, all of it. Uh, there's only one man that we go to for our fantasy advice, and that is uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat with our pal Andy McNamara. AMC, how are you today, pal? Hey, boys. Doing good. I like the CM Punk cult of personality intro. Appreciate the wrestling theme. I'm ready to rock and roll, guys. You're right. NFL season right here. Yes, we're really we're pumped for it here in Calgary. Uh, I know plenty of people have uh, fantasy questions, so we'll get to uh, Ask Andy in just a few moments here. So if you've got your fantasy football questions for Andy McNamara, you can send them into the fan feedback line, 960-960, or uh, just before the break, we gave out all three of our Twitter handles. So if you have any of those, make sure you use the hashtag AskAndy, and we can get your question to Andy. Just a few for you here, Andy, before we jump into uh, uh, Ask Andy segment, as we always do here on Sportsnet 960. Have you uh, been in a couple of drafts yourself yet? Yes, actually, I had uh, two so far. I had um, one of those like sort of long ones where you know it's every three hours type of thing, and then I had uh, one of my big ones the other day. So I got one more. I think it's no, I actually have two more. I got two more next week. So I got uh, on the Tuesday, so we're going right up to the edge, which is what I like as close as possible to the NFL season. And I know everyone wants to have it early and and as soon as possible, which I understand. But it's so much better if you wait because now, guys, the 53-man rosters have been set. You know, the preseason's done. There's going to be no more preseason injuries. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as close. You can still do anything. You know, you still get injured in practice, whatever. But now it's getting uh, – now you kind of see how the cards are falling, and it's that close. So I got a couple more, yeah. Uh, any trends you've noticed? And I know drafts are different for everybody with leagues and whatnot, but have there been any surprising trends you've noticed in any of the drafts you've done so far, Andy? Uh, you know what? It's been in the ones I've been in fairly straightforward in that the running backs go first. Um, you know, you see the odd reach here and there, uh, but really it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a pattern that makes sense because with the running backs, the true bell cows, like we talk about being ever more rare running backs are going first three off the board, no matter what, pretty much. You know, unless a Justin Jefferson sneaks in there. But usually you're going three running backs, and, and there's no question about it. Because if you don't get one of those true RB1s, and you wait, and here's the tough part too, guys. If you're in like a 12-team redraft, and you're in that like 8-12 to 12 spot, you have a tough decision to make. Are you going to get likely in that range the 6th to 7th best running back? Maybe the 3rd, 4th best wide receiver? Or are you going to be a little bold if you're picking 11-12 and take Travis Kelsey, the top tight end or something. So I find the real intrigue comes what people do who draft later. Those first three spots, you're pretty much locked down, starting with Jonathan Taylor. 
you mentioned obviously training camp's done, preseason is done. Are there any fantasy situations around the league that cleared up and got a little bit more clarity for you since training camp ended and the 53-man rosters were set? Well, one of them, I think, was in Philadelphia. And not that I was expecting anything out of Jalen Rieger at all with Philly, but it was an extra receiver who was a first-round pick who would have demanded some target shares. Well, he's gone. So I think the situation in Philadelphia cleared right up. Uh, And that's what I love, when you have a clear depth chart and you can – pretty much map out where your fantasy points are going to come from, from that team. Jalen Hurts is a stud. Uh, I'm top, top five. I'd be shocked barring injury. If he didn't finish top five, top six in fantasy quarterbacks, AJ Brown's a top dog there with him. They've been building great chemistry. Devonta Smith right underneath and Dallas Goddard. We're avoiding the running backs for the most part, maybe a little bit of Miles Sanders has some depth. I wouldn't want him as one of my starting top two, but the, the moving on of Jalen Rieger, I think was a big part of that. A guy who has piqued my interest a little bit in the last couple of days, guys, was, is uh, Hayden Hurst of the Cincinnati Bengals. And that interest almost evaporated as soon as it came when it looked like O.J. Howard was going to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He pivoted and now signed with the Texans. Hayden Hurst, and we saw with C.J. Ozoma a couple times last year, him pop a little bit with Cincinnati. Now, the, the tricky part, of course, is you have Jamar Chase to feed. You have T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd's or Joe Mixon. But the tight end, if you're going to go for, let's say, an extra depth guy a little, like, a little bit later, I'm talking like you can probably draft Hayden Hurst at the end of your draft with the last pick. And that's what I did in one, just to hold on and see how things develop. Because I like his talent in Atlanta. I don't think he's ever really his full talent has been able to be exploited. And in a pass-heavy offense, maybe we see him become more a part of that offense in Cincinnati. Speaking of O.J. Howard signing with the Texans, is that on your radar at all when it comes to tight ends? No, no. Like, O.J. Howard, that's something I talked about untapped talent. O.J. Howard is a heck of a talent. Yes. He's just kind of, like, don't you guys feel like O.J. Howard has been one of those guys that you sort of expect each year to do something, and then at the end, he, he just never really did anything? Yep. A hundred percent. You know? I think the it's Alabama like, luster probably helps him there out. Yeah, you know what? Pro- and physically, he's built like a t- you know. Oh, he's huge! You, know? you think he's a prototypical tight end that should yes. should dominate this league? And if you went to a team that wasn't led by Davis Mills in mm. Houston, uh, not so great. And th- this complicates things because I was looking as like a deep, deep sleeper, Brevin Jordan, the tight end of Houston, late last year. Started out some real chemistry with Davis Mills. I'm thinking, okay. Yeah, maybe that's – I have a little – on my drafts, I have a little star beside Brevin Jordan. But now you bring O.J. Howard in, now what are we looking at? Now we're in with an unproven – you know, I think there's a, a ceiling on, uh, on Davis Mills. Uh, on a bad team, going to be playing some catch-up. What does O.J. Howard do for a Brevin Jordan? So now that interest has uh, – has waned some in, in Jordan with the O.J. Howard signing. Just a couple more questions for uh, Andy McNamara before we get to your questions on the fan feedback line or on Twitter. Ask Andy. This is the time to get your questions in. If you have any fantasy football questions ahead of a draft, some week one starters that you need to get answered on, make sure you get us up now at 960-960. Andy, I asked you if any situations had cleared up and given you some more clarity after the 53-man rosters were set I'll ask you the opposite. Have any situations fantasy-wise gotten a little bit more cloudy or a little bit more leery for you now that we're set with rosters? 
Well, I think with, with my Cleveland Browns guys, um, if your name's not Nick Chubb, I'm not really that interested in you this yeah, year fair. for fantasy. You know, and coming in, it was before the Deshaun Watson news, it was, okay, what about Amari Cooper? You know, at this stage of his career, I, I'd like him much better as a number two, but all right, there's Deshaun, Jacoby Brissett. We've seen enough Jacoby Brissett in his career. He's a good backup, sub-500 starter, more of a game manager, kind of just like a, a, a bigger, stronger Tyrod Taylor. Right? He's, he's not going to lose you a game, but he's probably not going to win you a game either. So Amari Cooper's value has sunk for me. Um, David Njoku, again, tight ends. And this is if you're, you know, looking to kind of punt and wait on tight ends. Njoku, I was much higher on before. Now I'm thinking, okay, well, there's still a path to him being fantasy relevant because of the lack of wide receiver depth with the Browns. But it looks like, from what I hear out of Cleveland, they're going to be using sort of their tweener running back um, receivers as more slot receivers. So Kareem Hunt popping out more. A guy, Demetrius Felton. I'm popping up more. So I'm not quite sure what David Njoku's season is going to look like. Newly paid, big body dude. You talk about a sculpted god, David Njoku. My goodness. He's like, dude set a high, high jump record in high school uh, for his state. Uh, it's ridiculous. So I still have a, a bit of an interest, but really outside of Nick Chubb, I wouldn't be chasing any Browns for your fantasy team. Now, Andy, what are give me maybe some undervalued guys that we're looking at at drafts? Maybe give me an undervalued quarterback, running back, wide receiver that guys aren't uh, maybe looking uh, at right now. I'll give you a wide receiver right off the bat, and he's from Canada. And it's Josh Palmer. Yeah, uh, I, I Logan's I excited. Love, Bolt up, baby! I love it. <laughs> right? Let's go! Oh yeah, right? Yeah, you know it, man. That's yeah. right. That's right. You know Josh Palmer. Yeah, like this is a guy who, outside of I think, if you're probably a Chargers fan. Uh, you're overlooking because what's the shiny toy? Keenan Allen, it's Mike Williams, right? Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert. Then there's Josh Palmer. Well, Josh Palmer is a guy who had a three target. If you look at that right now, the WR3 in a team, it's like, yeah, okay. But my thing is I am not a believer in Mike Williams um, long-term or for this year over a full season. Last year, the guy was guns blazing for about six weeks and faded. His whole career has been inconsistent. I think there's a real way that we look at the end of the year and we see Josh Palmer as the second-best wide receiver on that Chargers team, not Mike Williams. So Josh Palmer is somebody you can get, you can wait on deep into drafts and, and pick him up. And you're getting somebody. I've been, I did that in one draft. I'm going to look to get a Josh Palmer shares on every team if I can this year because I think there is a, a real possibility that he ends up right behind Keenan Allen. And if there's an injury to Allen or Williams, He's proven himself, and we know they like to throw the football there uh, with the Chargers. So, um, yeah, I, I really like Josh Palmer for quarterback. You know what? If you look at, guys, if you look at the, the numbers for Derek Carr and you take the passing yards, and then I tell you he is not a top-12 fantasy quarterback, I take the name away, you're like, are you nuts? And you look at the touchdowns. That's where it's been the issue for Derek Carr. The passing yards have been there but he hasn't had a lot of weapons to work with as far as true, true playmaker. Darren Waller, we love, but he was banged up last year. Can you look at these numbers, okay? Uh, since I'm um, looking here, 2018, over 4,000 yards each year. Last year, 4,800 yards. If I tell you 4,800 yards, you think the guy's having 35 touchdowns. No, he had 23 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Now you got his buddy, 
from from college, Devontae Adams, hello. That's going to open up Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro out of the slot. Jacobs can catch, too. You got a nice little blend. I think a guy to watch, two QB leagues, a must. And I always try in drafts to have to draft two quarterbacks, two tight ends for bye week help. And if one of them goes off, to be able to use his trade bait. Last year, I did it with Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott. I took Hurts later. Hurts, I ended up playing more than Dak. And so Derek Carr is somebody who we can look at and say, all right, you know what? If I take those 4,800 and I have 23 touchdowns, well, how many touchdowns is Devontae Adams going to have? Let's be conservative and say seven to eight. Okay? Let's, let's give Carr 30 to 31 touchdowns. With that yardage, you're knocking on the door of the top 12. All right, let's uh, get to it. The text line's filled up with questions. We've got uh, plenty to get to uh, for another edition of Ask Andy. If you want to, you can still try to get your questions in at 960-960. But let's get it started, Andy. We've got plenty on the text line to get to. This first one came in uh, well before the segment started, so we'll start with this one. Andy, uh, I have two of the top three picks in my keeper league. Which two of Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, or Damon Pierce from Houston should I take? So it sounds like this guy is pretty determined in his keeper league to get a future running back to hold on to. I think you keep Hall and Pierce. Um, as bad as, <laughs> I guess, said the, the Houston situation is, Pierce, boy, man, I loved watching him in the draft process before coming out, looking at, at his game tape and the, the uh, uh, I, think, I believe it was Senior Bowl. It might have been East Shrine, but I'm pretty sure it was Senior Bowl. Uh, this guy's a playmaker, and he's been balling out so much so that they got rid of Marlon Mack. That, we talk about you want certainty, you want to stay away from these committees that we've been seeing. That's a case right there where uh, Damian Pierce can pop right in. You just have to worry about that, that vulture Rex Burkhead who keeps popping up. But I think you go, oh, I can't stand Rex Burkhead, guys. Uh, Brees, I think you go, Brees Hall, even though it's the Jets, you, know, you temper your expectations, but out of the two, um, you go Hall and you go Pierce there. How are you feeling about Josh Jacobs this year, Andy? You know what? I'm liking Josh Jacobs more than in year past. The Devontae Adams factor helps a lot. Jacobs was banged up quite a bit last year. Um, You have Zamir White behind him. That doesn't concern me, really. Amir Abdullah, come on, now. Brandon Bolden, he'll catch a ball here and there. So Josh Jacobs, I think if he can get off to a good start to the season, I wouldn't mind having him as as my RB2. Um, I don't want to rely on him as my top guy. But I believe that he's going to be able to be somebody that you can get and, and plug in. He might not get you, you know, superstar numbers, but I think he's going to be a steady producer. Uh, at 2Q, 2QB League, excuse me, uh, who would you start, Trey Lance or Baker Mayfield? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, well, so you know what? This, this is actually a really good question because you are looking at safer floor versus sky-high seal, right? Trey yeah. Lance? He could be a total bust. You brought back Jimmy Garoppolo. Why? Well, you weren't getting any trade offers for him. You didn't want to cut him. I understand it. But does that reflect anything on Trey Lance? I don't know. Uh, Baker Mayfield hasn't been a top 12 um, fantasy quarterback in his whole career. QQB, if we get 2020 Baker, I'm liking it. But you're going to want to really incorporate um, Christian McCaffrey into all that. And then he gets the chemistry with his new team. So the safe pick is Baker Mayfield. But if you're going to QB, I don't mind being a little, you know, depending on who the first one is, getting, getting a little froggy, you know, being like, all right, you know what? Let's see Trey Lance with his legs might be worth the risk alone. So I, I think you go Trey. 
Uh, Andy, this guy has a draft tonight in a keeper league. Uh, thanks to some trades from last year, he holds the third overall and seventh overall pick. Uh, with who's available at three in his league, would you take Jefferson, Henry, Cook, or Harris? Ooh, a nice problem to have. You yes. know what? I think you take – now, listen, I love Justin Jefferson. I think he's going to be – he's in my rankings, guys, he's the top fantasy wide receiver this year, not Cooper Cup, it's Justin Jefferson. But you got to go with Derrick Henry. What did we just talk about with the, the rarity of true RB1s when it comes to fantasy? Derrick Henry's a bull. Now, the, the last year, is that the start of the deterioration of the big-bodied guy? Maybe, but that's too sweet to pick up on. And if you can get yourself Derrick Henry, you have your RB1 set and forget Although I love to get Justin Jefferson, you can get wide receiver pieces throughout the year and later and be uh, at a level that you're comfortable with. Maybe not Justin Jefferson, although that's comfortable. You go Derrick Henry there. Uh, Andy, I draft eighth overall in my league. Should I be looking to take the best receiver or perhaps a top tight end? Oh, see, eighth, that's eighth the spot we talked about right off the top of the show, right, guys? Yep, sure did. So you have to be thinking of at eight, what are you going to be getting? You're going to be getting, uh, depending on the league, fifth, sixth best running back, right? So it depends who's off the board, of course. Um, is, is it, let's say this. If there's a Jamar Chase still there, I would get a Jamar Chase. Um, Austin Eckler's not going to drop that much. Uh, I would say, unless there's some weird drop and you're like, oh, man, Derrick Henry's there at eight or, or something like that, um, I might look to reach for a Travis Kelsey, because at least then you're getting the best at a position, not the sixth best, not the third or fourth best for wide receiver. You're getting the best at in a position group in fantasy, even more rare to find a guy who's going to produce week in and week out. Let's face it at tight end. The only, the only sure things are Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Then you have Dalton Schultz, George Kittle in that next tier. But so if you're at eight, and you get Travis Kelsey, okay, you know what? You got that position locked in. And then you can let the draft sort of come to you and see what's shaking after that. I like these. You got a couple of these general strategy tips. I'm going to throw yeah. this one your way, Andy. Uh, this guy or girl that uh, texted in says, uh, Andy, I need some strategy tips. I'm drafting last in a 12-man league. Who yeah. would you target for the back-to-back -back picks? Mm, I like it. So – uh, in this case, one of those picks, I'm taking Travis Kelsey if he's on the board. Taking him. Because then, just like I just said there, you've got, you got the tight end. You're not getting um, the top position in any other one. And Travis Kelsey, I bet you, is probably going to be there. Now, let's say he's not. Um, then you've got to start looking at, okay, what wide receivers are gone. I, ideally, I would try to take a combo of Kelsey and best available wide receiver or running back. Really depends on the run. If you go really... If that first round and there's like eight running backs gone, go wide receiver, right, in one of those picks. If it's a bit of a mix and match, then see, is a Joe Mixon there? I, with an improved Cincinnati offensive line, really like Joe Mixon this year. Najee Harris perhaps as well, uh, although that offensive line of Pittsburgh has gotten a little better, but I'm, I'm still not biting on it. Um, so that would be where I'd be looking at. See if you can get Kelsey and then the best of a receiver or running back who's sitting there. Ten-team league, Andy, four keepers each. This uh, person picks first. Uh, they're wondering about taking Travis Etienne at that spot. Uh, he says with the keepers essentially drafting in the fifth round to start things off. Oh, boy. Um, see, I wish we had 
uh, other the other options yeah. on there. Um, you know, hit us up, hit me up at AndyMC81. Send me the different options. We'll uh, you know we'll we'll take a look. If I'm because that's the tough part, right? Like, yeah. I, I I like Etienne, but is there anything better than him laying around there in in, in the keeper? That's that's the question. I'm not. Um, you know, I, I think Etienne's probably going to be settling in as a RB two. Uh, type with some upside, he could get you some jump, right? You got a you got a much better head coach, tough to get worse than Urban Meyer. That's his mm-hmm. last year. You got Doug Peterson, Etienne with the comfort a comfort level with Trevor Lawrence. So it's not a bad pick, but I, I would just want to know who else is around. All right, uh, question for Andy. I'm in a 12 team PPR redraft. Who would you take at seven between Henry Harris and Mixon? Henry Harris and Mixon. Uh, Derek Henry. Derrick Henry. Um, Mixon second, Harris third. Uh, like I said, the uh, Cincinnati improved offensive line helps. Still a very, very, very heavy pass offense, though. Uh, Coach Zach Taylor will throw to a fault in Cincinnati. Najee Harris, I still think he's going to be top 12, uh, probably closer to the bottom of that, because Pittsburgh probably is going to be playing from behind. Now, he can catch. He's patient. The offensive line is so-so. It, it's, just, it's just a case where I think your ceiling is capped with Harris, to a lesser extent, Mixon. And Derrick Henry, if that guy's right, we know what he can do. Just a couple more minutes. If you're able to get your questions in for Andy McNamara, ask Andy, available at 960-960. A couple more for you here, Andy. Uh, this guy's got a question about running backs. Andy, who do you like between uh, Penny, Hall, and Sanders? I'm assuming we're going Rashad Penny, Brees Hall, and Miles Sanders. Yeah, like I want to like Rashad Penny. He can't stay healthy. He can't. Like, you have to at least, and you can't predict injuries, but you have to at least prove that you can play some stretch of time healthy in the NFL. Penny hasn't been able to do it. The talent is right there. Seattle is in a, they're in a, a I don't even, half-hearted rebuild with the mm-hmm. pieces around it. You got, come on, Geno Smith and, uh, 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 who's the other, the uh, Denver guy, whatever his name is. Um, what was his name? Ah, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, but he's not good. Drew Locke? And so, Drew Locke, Drew Locke, yeah. Not good. They're, Not they're, good. They're, looking, they're looking to draft the quarterback. So are you going to be running the ball? Are you going to be around enough to run the ball? No. So it was who else? Brees Hall and? Uh, Rashad Miles Penny, Sanders. Brees Hall, Miles Sanders. I would say I would go Brees Hall in that scenario. I don't love it. And the reason is Miles Sanders has Kenneth Gainwell, who's had a great camp behind him. And you have Jalen Hurts in Philly, who can run himself, especially around the goal line. So his touchdown side is capped. Go Brees Hall. Uh, Andy, rookie draft, who do you like more, Ken Walker or Damian Pierce? Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. He's going to get you – know, for rookies, you want to see that opportunity situation. And Pierce, with Mac on, he's got lead, he's got lead role right there. Mm-hmm. He's got the lead role. So you want to see that opportunity. Is the rookie going to get a chance to eat? And Pierce is going to be able to do that. A couple questions on Austin Eckler. Uh, one guy's curious if you are confident that he's going to be able to repeat last season with his injury history. And another texter comes in saying, would you feel comfortable taking Austin Eckler at a three spot overall? Would I be comfortable with Eckler at three? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would. Uh, and especially if it's PPR. Yes. Standard takes a little bit of a dip, um, but PPR a hundred percent. Remember, folks, Austin Eckler does not get the credit he deserves as an a actual rusher, a carrier of the football. We all know he can catch, but if you watch, he's been able he, – he, he is a good ball carrier. He just gets more shine for his, his playmaking as a, as a pass catcher. So he can do that. Injury history, yes, but, man, you know what? 
I, I still, I still have seen him do it. I think the offense is perfectly made for him to do it as a pass catcher and as a rusher. And there's nobody really knocking on the door. You got Spiller behind him, but that's not, that's more of a concern maybe for next year. So uh, I think, yes, Austin Eckler at three, and I'd be comfortable taking him. Uh, another strategy pick, uh, this gentleman or uh, woman is uh, interested in some auction, auction tips uh, for Ooh. drafting. Andy, any tips for anybody heading into an auction draft? Yes, and one of my leagues is an auction on, I think it's Tuesday. Um, here's what I try to do. I hope none of my people in the league are listening. <laughs> what I try to do, pick a big name that you don't need when it's your turn to put up for auction. Okay. So let's say, uh, you know, like if it's a, if it's a keeper or whatever, or you're like, you know what? Ah, I'm not going to take Tom Brady. Put Tom Brady up. People will fight and you have all that money sitting there in the auction to start. People want to spend it, right? People don't like sitting for too long without getting somebody. You get antsy. You want to buy something. So put a big name out there that you, that you don't care if you get or not and let the people spend the money. Then they'll spend the money. You sit back. Now, if there's somebody you like that gets put up, you know, you can go for it. Don't blow the whole amount on one player no matter what. But put those players up the first couple times that you don't want that could get a big dollar. And all of a sudden, you'll start seeing those wells start to drain. And then you can make your move a little bit later on when it counts. Just a couple more for uh, Andy McNamara here before we, uh, we hand things off for, for him for another week. Uh, a couple of week one questions, Andy. Uh, who do you like in a flex spot better, Michael Thomas or J.K. Dobbins? Dobbins, no. 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 Dobbins is not 100% at all. Um, I don't even know if he's going to play week one, to be honest. Mm-hmm. That's why they're uh, looking at Kenyon Drake. Um, so Michael Thomas, who is also not 100%. So make sure, like every week, guys, make sure you are tracking the health. Follow the beat reporters. How injured is he? Is he limping along? Is game day decision? What's it going to be? But out of those two, Michael Thomas, no doubt. Uh, this guy is in a, uh, a very tough league. It's uh, keeping a lot of running backs. Uh, he's got Brees Hall or Damian Pierce. Which one do you like more? Pierce. Pierce. And now, now uh, just talent-wise, uh, Brees Hall, but the situation, Damian Pierce. Uh, keeper question, Andy. Uh, I can keep Kyler in the third, Andrews in the fifth, or DK in the eighth. Keep Andrews. Uh, because the tight end spot, like we talked about, if you're not getting Kelsey or Andrews, it takes a, dri- a dip. And then you're looking at Schultz or, or Tittle. Um, Andrews is one of the best two in an offense with Baltimore. Let's not, let's not forget. Uh, Lamar Jackson only throws to Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. And they got much worse at receiver. Uh, and it's, it, there's a slew of running backs. So he funnels the ball to a fault to Mark Andrews. So Mark Andrews is the guy there. You can pick up uh, quarterback and receivers later on. Although I love myself some DK Metcalf, you have to think, do you know Smith drew Lockdown in the ball? What are we really hoping for? Two more uh, quick ones for you. One fun one to end one off. This will be the last uh, fantasy one we get for you, Andy. Uh, this guy says, I'm in a standard league with three wide receiver spots. The cheat sheet that I've sworn by for years is telling me to take Cooper Cup with the second overall pick. Is it nuts mm. for me to take a wide receiver over a Derrick Henry or a Christian McCaffrey? Now, look, if you get Cooper Cup, you're not going ha- to re- regret it because he's one of the best wide receivers. The trouble is what you sacrifice with a pick like that. So you sacrifice that pick with a wide receiver, then where are you getting your RB1? Mm-hmm. They're going to be gone. They're, they're gone. So I would say, no, uh, you're going to have – Jonathan Taylor's probably going to go first. You get a McCaffrey, an Eckler, a Henry, that type of tier right after that. I would not take Cooper Cup with that second overall pick. You can swing back 
and get uh, in the next round for wide receivers. You can get you can get a whole whole bunch more of that. Well, aren't going to have necessarily the, the super peak of a Cooper Cup, but I bet you you could probably get yourself a Mike Evans, AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, Michael Pittman Jr., and you'll feel just fine about it. And uh, last one, tell me about this uh, thing you got going on Twitch tonight. Ooh. Andy McNamara doing some play-by-play with a wrestling legend. Patrick, you're going to love this. Uh, all yeah. you're on Twitch tonight, Andy McNamara calling a match with the legend Tommy Dreamer. Hardcore tell me about legend. this. Hardcore legend. Yes, the, the hardcore legend, ECW great. Yeah, guys, Tommy Dreamer. It's with my guys at Chinlock Wrestling. I've been working with these guys. They, they do charity wrestling events. This was the first one back since the pandemic, and this is the first airing of it. Um, so Tommy Dreamer going for the heavyweight championship. There's also going to be a 20-person over-the-top battle royal, multiple titles. Also, do you guys remember the late, great Pat Patterson with WWE? Yes, His sir. nephew, Zach Patterson, is wrestling on the card. I'd never seen him perform before, guys. Uh, keep an eye on this dude. Watch tonight. Watch Zach Patterson. This guy's the real deal. Zach Patterson's on it. Um, but, yeah, we get to have fun with Tommy Dreamer in a no-DQ weapons, hardcore, heavyweight championship match. What else is better on a Thursday in 30 minutes time at 7 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. You know I'm going to be amped up doing play-by-play. Yes, sir. It's going to be a ton of fun. Absolutely. Tommy Dreamer, man. Tommy Dreamer was one of those ones when I was watching uh, wrestling as a young kid, Patrick, and I'm sure you were the same way. The whole ECW, the hardcore stuff, that stuff was incredible. And I love that he's still doing that kind of stuff today. That's incredible, Andy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's so fun. And Tommy's such a great dude to talk to. So down to earth, but I'll tell you guys, there's, um, I had a look around before the, uh, the event and there's garbage cans, there's cookie sheets, there's kendo sticks, there's tables, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a whole bunch of chairs. Uh, there's a whole bunch of violence and the innovator of violence is going to have some fun. I think going for the heavyweight title tonight. Andy, uh, appreciate the time as always. If we missed your question today, guys, there were so many on the text line. If we didn't get to them, uh, Andy's kind enough to help you out on Twitter. You can follow him and get some of your fantasy questions answered there at AndyMC81. Andy, thanks so much for doing this today, man. You're the best. Look forward to chatting with you next week. All right, boys. Thank you. We'll thanks, talk to Andy. you soon. Take care. There you go. Yeah. Andy McNamara, uh, everything fantasy sports for us here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, and, of course, head out if you're a wrestling fan. Check out that Twitch stream of his tonight. All the details available on his uh, Twitter feed as usual. Again, once again, AndyMC81. Take a break. We're overtime. Come back on the other side. It's been a very busy day for the Dallas Stars, and they've still got some work to do with a key RFA. Owen Newkirk joins us next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. As the calendar turns to September, we've had a number of uh, interesting situations around the league that still need to be resolved. Just weeks before training camp begins, I'm Logan Gordon and joined by Patrick Dumas. This is Sportsnet Today. You're on Sportsnet 960, the fan, and one of the teams uh, with probably the two most intriguing RFAs still on the board got one of them signed today. Flames fans will be very familiar with the work of Jake Ottinger from last season. He signs a three-year deal worth $12 million uh, with the Dallas Stars, still to be signed 
Jason Robertson. Uh, what uh, do we make of the stars in this signing? And uh, what's left for them this offseason? Uh, to chat about that and more, we go down the uh, Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in uh, our pal Owen Newkirk to uh, chat some Dallas Stars hockey with us this afternoon. Owen, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? Hey, fellas. It's nice to talk to you again. Yeah, it's great to have you here again, Owen, uh, and especially on such a busy day. Uh, I guess just your reaction to the news earlier that Jake Ottinger has signed a new uh, contract with the Stars. Well, I think that my reaction is probably a little bit more tempered than the average Dallas Stars fan, but I think the reaction for them was probably a bit of a sigh of relief or maybe an exhale because, as you guys know, the longer that a contract negotiation, I don't want to call it a dispute because I don't think that's accurate, but the longer it takes between an organization and a player to come to terms, the more nervous the fans get. Even if it's a situation where it's a restricted free agent like Jake Ottinger, we'll talk, I'm sure you'll ask me about Jason Robertson. We'll get into that. The, the thing is, is that they're, it's not as though the Stars were going to lose Jake Ottinger. The question is, how are they going to make this fit? Because cap space is, is finite. Stars were aware of that. But now you know... You have three more years guaranteed, and you still have RFA rights after that of the guy who everyone believes will be your number one goalie to start this year. I think that's a very good day for the Stars. These situations, I find, are always tough, Owen, when players don't have RFA arbitration rights but have obviously showed uh, a great amount of promise because I'm sure from a Stars side of things, they're looking at it and saying, Jake was incredible in the playoffs and we absolutely believe in him, but from a you know a fiscal responsibility side of things, you probably also have to factor in that he's only played 77 career NHL games, and that can be sometimes a bit leery for any GM to sign a young player with that little experience to a monster eight-year extension. And in addition to that, he has never been the Stars' number one goalie for a full NHL season. And this is something that I'm sure got brought up. It was trying not to overreact to a phenomenal playoff run, which was, by the way, as you guys saw, he clearly helped his own cause by the way he played, especially in Game 7, but that whole series against the Flames. So that helped. But again, I think the organization tried to temper it a little bit just to say, tap the brakes a little bit. You're still 22 years old. Mm -hmm. You'll be 23 shortly. You know, here's the kind of thing where, we want to make sure that we're not rushing to judgment here and giving you carry price kind of money. Because let's face it, you've got to get a lot of skins on the wall before you deserve carry price money. Okay, Owen, let's take all that conversation that we just have and we're going to replay it and just take out Jake's name <laughs> and insert Jason Robertson's name. Uh, what's the situation with Jason here? I know you had a great tweet earlier. It kind of varies depending on where you look as to how much money the stars have, but Jason Robertson coming off a, a great season, a 41-goal season last year with Dallas. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky because I think today's news and contract for Ottinger really helps both sides because now they know, more, probably more than us playing with Cap Friendly or Puckpedia or whatever site you like to manage your NHL salary cap issues and try to figure out what guys will be on the roster and how you do it, there are a lot of variations the general sense is somewhere between six and a half and seven and a half million dollars of cap space left. Now, the reason why I say that big of a range is because Anton Hudobin 
is still part of the Dallas Stars for one more year at a cap hit of $3.3 million. Now, if the Stars do what Hudobin did last year, which is place him on in the AHL, then they can they can get relief of $1.125 million. But that's the maximum for an NHL one-way that you can get off of your books. And, of course, he makes 3.3, so you still have a little over $2 million left. However, there's a difference this year because Hudobin is coming off of hip surgery. He, he was shut down last year. They couldn't put him on LTIR because the injury occurred when he was in the AHL, and those are the, the, the rules for the collective bargaining agreement. So this year, if he goes to camp, now he's already in Frisco. He's training with some of the guys that are here, more arriving every day. If he's ready to go, then it's competition, right? Because you could send Scott Wedgwood down and get a million dollars of relief. If, if Hudobin and Ottinger are your guys, you could try to trade him and in some way get all 3.3 million off your cap. And now you're in really good shape. Or the other thing is you could put him on LTIR because he's on your NHL roster right now. Again, I don't want to get too much into the minutia of it, but mm -hmm. I think with Jason Robertson, you're probably looking at a number that starts with seven at the very least because he scored 40 goals last year. Now, again, I'm trying not to mansplain to the Calgary Flames fans that know this very well, but you had one of the bargain 40-goal scorers of the season last year in Elias Lindholm. He was the cheapest 40-goal scorer by cap hit. I know he made a little bit more. I think he made a million more than his $4.85 million yeah. cap hit. That sounds really great. Jason <laughs> Robertson made $795,000. Yeah. So just think about that. He made $4.1 million, or almost. He made $4 million less than the next cheapest 40-goal score, of which there were 17 in the NHL last year. That is a ridiculous bargain. So Robertson's going to need to get paid. And the comparables that you look out there, three for seven and a bridge seems relatively fair. What's the problem with that? Well, if you're in Jason Robertson's camp, He's a 40-goal scorer that's still 21 years old. You can see how hard it is to do that. They want to cash in. And so I think there's a debate about term versus cost. And if the Stars can now squeeze them in in that 7 to 7.5 million rate on a, on a, a bridge deal, knowing that in a couple of years they've got some big contracts coming off the books and the cap should take a jump with the new TV deal, they then – Here's the thing. That's all good for the stars right now. But Jason Robertson, if he keeps playing like this, he might really pony up some bucks for the second contract or the third contract. Where do stars fans and I guess the, just the general, you know, viewers of the stars see Jason Robertson and all of this, is he uh, a future face of the franchise type of player that's being looked at in the same view as, as Miro Heiskanen and Jake Ottinger are right now, Owen? Not yet. I, I close. Okay. Here's the thing. Uh, Rope Hintz is considered the star's number one center. I, I mean, I don't think considered. He is the number one center. Yeah. He has one more year left on his current deal. He's going to get paid. And obviously, teams tend to give their top line center big dollars because it's a huge, very important position. And he deserves it. If Jason Robertson backs up his 41-goal season, I mean, he had 79 points. If he does that again then he's probably in that conversation. He's on the, the fringes of that right now. And I don't mean any disrespect to Robertson at all, but Miro Haskinen is a franchise player. 
third overall pick. He's done nothing but be fantastic. Obviously, I think he had a little dip in offensive production. There's a lot of talk down here, especially for new head coach Pete DeBoer, that they believe that with John Klingberg moving on to Anaheim, Miro will seize that role because it's there, that he deferred because he's a good teammate to some other guys, and now it's going to be Miro's team. So I don't think Jason Robertson is just yet on the Miro Haskinen level or the Rope hint yet, but he's awfully close. And if he scores 40 again, he'll be right there. Chatting with Owen Newkirk here, uh, some Dallas Stars hockey chatter on your uh, Thursday afternoon uh, as the Stars get a deal done with franchise goaltender Jake Ottinger today, a three-year contract worth $12 million. I'm Logan Gordon, joined by Patrick Dumas. Patrick? Oh, and you mentioned Miro Haskin in there. Now, he he's obviously a really young, good defenseman. Does he have that gear into him to enter that next tier of elite young defenseman in this league? Yeah, I really think he does. We have saw that very, very blatantly in the 2020 bubble playoffs where yeah. he led the, the team in scoring and he could take over. I, I think there was a little bit of a regression in the shortened 56-game mm-hmm. season. And then... A little bit last year of, hey, he's, I mean, look, he's phenomenal, guys. And every day we watch him play, he does things where you just go, holy cow, how does he do that? He makes his skating look effortless. His defending with his stick is the elite of the elite. I haven't seen a guy in the league that does it better than him with his stick. He's not the biggest physical guy, but he doesn't get pushed around. And I think that he has so many more tools offensively than we've necessarily seen day in, day out. But that is still a question. Can he be as offensively effective as Kale McCarr? Maybe. That may not be quite fair because I think McCarr may be a unicorn yeah. in that regard. But I think Haskinen's better defensively than McCarr is, and they're both unbelievable skaters. Talk to me about some of the younger group of players that could be knocking on some uh, some jobs for camp, potentially. I know there's Ty Delandrea, there's Logan Stankoven, Maverick Bork. What are some younger guys that could potentially be uh, stars here in the not-too-distant future? I mean, look, the stars have a really nice little corral, if you will, of young, offensively-minded forwards in their prospect pool and they've been making waves in Canada playing in major junior, yep. especially this year where they had the top player in each of the three major junior levels. You know, that's been very, very impressive. I think Wyatt Johnston is probably the cream of that crop. But when you talk about Delandria, Stan Coven, Maverick Bork coming out of the queue, they're all really looking good. Riley Damiani, who was a later round pick in Dallas a couple of years ago when the Stars hosted the draft, and ended up being two years ago, the AHL rookie of the year, he could also make a jump. But the thing is, is that Johnston and Stan Coven, who was fabulous at the world juniors in August mm-hmm. could very easily spend another year at junior. Now, will the stars give them every chance to make this team? Absolutely. Especially because if they provide, there's still some question marks for Dallas with the second line, the first line with Jason Robertson, along with Rope Hintz and Joe Pavelski, They've been fabulous, one one of the better lines in the league, and they're going to probably stay together. Tyler Sagan has some questions coming off of his injuries, even though he played last year. Everybody felt he wasn't quite where he should be. Will he get back to that elite level of which he's being paid, or is this the new Tyler Sagan? I have questions. I'm not saying I doubt him. I think he's going to do everything he can to get stronger, but if there's an issue there, suddenly a guy like Wyatt Johnston might have a shot at getting one of those center spots. Now, maybe not, but 
Uh, I think the best chance to make waves this year is probably uh, from a skills level Johnson, but probably Maverick Bork because he cannot go back to junior. So he can go to the AHL. I think he'll get a chance to play. I don't know with the way that I look at the stars roster, if he'll have a, a really high percentage chance to make it opening night. But that being said, they're going to give him a shot to outplay it. And so these guys, it's in their hands. I think Delandria of the guys you mentioned is probably the closest because the, they, you know, the organization around here said that for Delandria, so a former first round pick really had a tough year with not being able to play in the AHL during COVID not that year where he would have been playing more and they didn't. And he was part of the taxi squad. And so he practiced a lot, but he needed those games and he really came on last year. And you guys may remember he had a very good game seven coming in against the flames and playing very well. And I think if he can take a step from there, he's got a real shot to make this team. You talked about Tyler Sagan there. Obviously uh, it's been a tough, tough go for him since signing the new contract. Same with, with Jamie Ben. And in the veteran like Joe Pavelski, who had a, a tremendous year playing on that top line. What are some of the expectations for guys like Sagan, Ben, and even like Joe Pavelski heading into this year? Well, I think Pavelski is expecting to be as ageless as he continues yeah. to be because he just has proven that he is a terrific pro. Nothing against the other two guys you mentioned, but he is his game is not predicated around speed. And it, we've talked to him about it before. Joe, Joe sort of puts on this wry smile and goes, well, I've never been considered very fast. So that, that's not really what defines him as a player. He has incredible vision. His positioning is top-notch. And as you guys have watched, the IQ his, is great. Abil- his IQ, his ability to get his stick on pucks, tipping it, scoring goals in front of the net is, I think, as high as it gets in the league. And so when you have Robertson and Hintz to provide the engine room, the speed, and Pavelski giving that support role with that IQ and positioning, it makes for a really fantastic line. Now, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, we may not be seeing them as both members of the team's second line this year. Part of the reason why they went out and signed free agent Mason Marchment is to give them another option up there. I've got questions about Dennis Gurionov because he did not have a good year, especially for what the Stars expect out of him. And, you know, the 25-year-old isn't coming off of his rookie deal. He's a guy that should be at his peak right now and for the next few years. And he just hasn't been getting it done. So there are expectations there. And there are ex- expectations for Sagan, who's the highest paid guy on the team, $9.85 million. And you expect, in some regards, to live up to that. But also, you guys remember, it's, this is not just a contract of what we expect you to do. It's given a contract for what he did before. He earned that because of what his past performance was. Would it be a shame if he can't get back to that elite status and be that really great number two center? The the one thought that uh, my co-host Bruce and I have been talking about, which I think is kind of an interesting one, is if Tyler Sagan's summer this year where he's healthy and he can push himself to the level he couldn't last summer, then can he get to that explosiveness he didn't have? That'd be great. If he can't, which is a very distinct possibility, could he start to adapt his game to be a little bit more like Pavelski with some young speed, like a Marchment, Gurionov, Delandria, Wyatt Johnston around them, then he could really uh, just evolve to a different stage of his career. I hope it's the former, but if he can do the latter, he can still be very effective. 
And last one for me, uh, you got a new coach. How will the transition from Rick Bonus to Pete, De- uh, Pete DeBoer shape the club this year? You know, it, it's twofold because one of it is personnel, and it's not just on Rick Bonus, who I was, you know, like I think most people in the league, we really adore the man. He is as classy yeah. as it gets. He's so much fun to talk to. He gave us so much time during our pre-game show radio interviews, talking with the recording off, just incredible insights. And I feel incredibly fortunate to have been able to interact and work with him for a few years and learn from him. He, I mean, the guy has the best stories. He, he's been around, he's seen it all, and he, he was fantastic. There were some things about his style of play that I think will be a little bit different from Pete DeBoer. And I think it is regards to how they attack the game with the lead, right? There were times where Bonus and his his team were criticized for sitting back a little too much when they had the lead and sort of letting other teams go to it. I think that was a little unfair because, as you guys know, when you have the lead, the other team usually pushes because they're trying to catch up. And so you're inevitably going to see that ebb and flow change during the course of the game. And look, it wasn't all on Rick Bonus's system because that's a that's a misnomer. The Stars had one of the worst finishing rates for a team that usually outchanced their opponent in quality scoring chances on most nights during the regular season. Not so much against Calgary in the first round last year, but that's a different story. But I think you're going to see a, a real emphasis on trying to get these guys to finish, and that's on the players. I mean, coaches can't do can't score goals. They can try to do, you know, put the players in the right positions, but the player has to be the one that to, to finish it off. And that was something that was a little bit of an issue for Rick Bonus's team that wasn't necessarily on the coach. Owen, thanks so much for the time today, man. Really do appreciate it. I know it's always busy when uh, you get a signing like that done. So thanks for taking some time this afternoon. We always appreciate these chats here. Thanks, Owen. My pleasure, boys. Enjoyed it as always. Thanks, Owen. We'll take to you a little bit more uh, down the regular season line, pal. Take it easy. Take care. There you go. Owen Newkirk, kind enough to join us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline. Yes, Flames fans, uh, very familiar with the work of Joe Pavelski, <laughs> Jake Ottinger, and others uh, last offseason yeah. or last postseason, excuse me. And uh, the Stars looking for them to provide once again in what should be a, a very interesting year for the Dallas Stars. Thanks to Owen Newkirk for jumping on with us, as always. You're on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Take a break. Come back uh, for the final hour of the program. Uh, kicking it off with a Stamps report uh, from Matty Rose. The Stampeders continuing practice today, getting set for Labor Day against the Elks. Your Stamps report with Matty Rose next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.